this man of God and you appreciate him. You come on and preach, my brother. God bless you. Oh, let's clap our hands to Jesus, everybody. Go ahead. Let's make the Lord's presence very welcome. Oh, my, my, my. What singing, what worship, what praise, what a God, what God done here Sunday. Only the Lord can take credit for that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always blessed whenever I'm where the Lord has poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And uh, something that I have done my best is to never uh, take it for granted, whether, whether it's many or few. Uh, I was uh, I was in a service the other night, certain place, certain time, certain zip code, and uh, uh, the Lord filled a bunch of people with the Holy Ghost, and we were baptizing them, and uh, we probably had you know ten or fifteen. It was a line of people being baptized, and uh, the pastor told me he said, "Hey, he said it's late. He said I got to get you somewhere to eat." He said, it's just these kids left, they're going to baptize. I said, bro, this is my food right here. I, I, don't, I don't need a steak. I'm staying for the last. He said, well, we can go. He said, we can go. He said, I said, bro, these kids are just as important or more important to be baptized and get the Holy Ghost. I don't say just some kids got the Holy Ghost. And so I'm going to shout when it's 20 and when it's 50. I've seen them. I've been in services where we had 50 in one service. And I'm going to shout and praise God if it's just one. Because this is all that really matters, folks. Time is it's getting away from us. That's why we're having church on Tuesday night. That's why we're doing this on Tuesday night. Because we need more of God. Tell your neighbor, you need more. Tell them, say, you need more than what you already got. You need some more. You need some more. I love you, Pastor Goins. I love you, Bishop. I love this family. You can pick your Bibles up. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight out of the book of Luke. And uh, I want to say this to those of you that maybe wouldn't know it, but uh, I am so blessed. I'm so blessed to come here. And uh, God has blessed me over the years. Uh, I don't know how fine people find me. And uh, ask me to come preach all over the country. I don't call people and ask them if I can go. God just somehow opens the door. But when I first started, uh, this man right here, we were at a fellowship meeting. I had one revival. I was preaching one revival. And they carried me to a fellowship meeting. And they told me that everybody gets five minutes. That's how they used to do it. You get five minutes. They give me five minutes. And I give them three minutes back. I said something and went sit down. And uh, Brother Goins got up behind me. He said, Brother Johnson, you're not done. Come back and take my time. And so the next man stood up and said, he can have my time too. Like three of them give me the time. And they told me, just preach the thing out. And uh, that's what your bishop did for me. I left out of there with like three revivals. And I went to Celine from there and preached for Brother Goins. And uh, I don't forget people that bless me and help me. Don't ever do it. Don't ever get so big for your britches. You forget when you was a nobody, people that was telling you was somebody then. I appreciate this whole family. I'm going to read to you out of the book of uh, the gospel according to Luke chapter 22 and verse number 48. 
Luke 22 and 48. And but Jesus said unto him, Judas, everybody say, Oh, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And they which were about him saw what would follow. They said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with a sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye this far. Tell your neighbor, that's enough. That's a polite way of saying, that's enough. And he touched his ear and he healed him. Look at Jesus. Peter cuts off the ear. Jesus picks the ear up out of the dirt. Now, this is a revelation. The ear gets cut. That's what you hear with. Faith comes by hearing. The ear falls in the dirt. Tell your neighbor, get your ear out of the dirt. Picks the ear up off the ground, reattaches it back to the head. The Lord wants to open up some ears tonight. Not, I've seen him open up deaf ears. I've seen him open deaf ears several times, even lately. But the greatest miracle is when God opens up our spiritual ear. And you're not here on Tuesday night just because I believe in all these miracles that can happen in the body. I believe in that. I believe uh, blind eyes, deaf ears, wheelchairs, all that. I believe it. I've been seeing it happen a lot lately. But the greatest miracle is not what happens in the physical body. Look at me closely before you sit down. A lot of what we talk about nowadays is stuff that's going to make our flesh feel better. But you are a spirit with a soul living in a body. You are not the body. You're the soul that's in the body. And so I want to talk to you about what God wants to heal in our souls. That's the greatest miracle. That's what I pray for. And God wants to do something for somebody tonight. You believe it? Slip up your hands and say, Lord, make it like it never happened. That's what God wants to do. Would you call out to him for just a moment? Just call out to the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. Unlock your spirit, God. Unlock the gift of faith in this room right now, Lord. Lord, I pray for signs, wonders, and miracles, not just in the body. I pray, God, there'd be something in the spiritual body, in the fabric, the spiritual DNA of men and women tonight. We come, we want something from you. We want a word, unlock the gifts, unlock the prophetic, unlock the spirit of love, the very nature of God. Yeah, that's it, clap your hands to him. Shout in the name of Jesus while you clap. Oh, this church knows how to praise God, I tell you. He must have been good to you. He must have been good to some of you guys. Now do this just as a statement of faith as you're sitting down. Tell somebody, say, God's going to make it like it never happened. Tell them again. Say, it's going to be like it never happened. Tell them again. Point at them and say, you'll be unrecognizable. People won't even believe that's you. The last miracle, there's got to be something to this. Is it all right if I just kind of talk tonight and y'all do the shouting? 
I hollered and throwed my voice out between two services yesterday, but y'all know how to praise God without anybody up here hollering. You learn how to praise God through knowledge, not through emotionalism. That's what I love about this church. But, but this got to be something to this because this is the last miracle that Jesus is going to perform before he goes to Calvary. Everybody say the last miracle. The last miracle. There's always something to what God does last. He always saves the best for last. It's not really the last miracle that he would ever do because he'd done miracles after the resurrection. But this particular miracle was the last miracle before he gets nailed to the cross. And has to do with him restoring hearing back to a man's head. If you understand what the Bible said about the last days. It said that in the last days there's going to come a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. Now if you, if you look at it you've got to look at the Bible almost skeptically. Uh, you never read the Bible like you already pre, uh, uh, make a preemptive strike thinking you know what it's already saying. You always read it like it's your first time ever hearing it and you can get the revelation out of it. He did not say that in the last days there would be a famine for the word of the Lord. He said there would be a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. In other words, it would not be that God is not talking in the last days. It will be that people are not hearing the voice that's talking. In other words, God is speaking, but we don't always uh, have the ability to hear what he's saying because like this man, your ear can get in the wrong place. And you can become clouded. You can become jaded. You can become uh, somewhat prejudiced to the way you think God's going to do things. And I've learned that God does not genuinely repeat a thing the exact same way. Once he does it once, he may change it next time. God does not always work or speak or minister in the exact same formula he did last time. But if you know his voice, you will know his voice regardless how he does it. You cannot be fooled when you know it's the Holy Ghost. What God wants to do tonight is help some of us uh, that are hungry to learn how to hear God and learn how to see of God and learn how to speak of God. I'm going to, I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant. I didn't want to talk about this tonight. I probably have never talked about it, but I just had a, I had a good time with the Lord today. I've already had several hours of church in my prayer room at home because uh, I'm not usually at home, but I had a great time today just praying and the Lord said, just talk about this and I kept trying to back out of it but when I received the Holy Ghost anybody here remember when you received the Holy Ghost initially for the first time now what I'm, I'm going to put one precursor here I'm going to put one disclaimer here I'm not at, at all saying that some of us have got a better Holy Ghost than anybody else but what I am going to tell you is this is there are experiences that some people have and if you will learn how to connect your faith to what God has done for them God will do for you what he done for them if you won't be jealous See, I'm like this. If I hear that God blesses you, I'm going to shout with you, and I'm going to praise God with you. If you get a new house, I'm clapping. If you get a new car, I'm clapping. Your kids get the Holy Ghost, I'm running with you. I, am, I got a lot of hang-ups, but I don't have a problem with God blessing other people because when he does, I know if he can do it for you, he can do it for me. And... 
this is what I love about I love about Bishop and I love about Pastor Goins is, is that if you want God to use you, I mean really work through you, one thing that would kill you is if you have a competition spirit and you don't want anybody to outdo you. And this is what happens to people sometimes. They stay lacking because they don't want anybody around them that is an opposite. But what you have to do is find people that have parts of the puzzle that you don't have. And then they can unlock the part that you need. This is how God works. He will send people into your life that are totally different from you. He will put what you need in their pocket and you will have to learn how to like people who are not like you in order to get what it is you need. Us Pentecostals are good at sometimes at only liking people that look, walk, talk, act just like we. But sometimes God will hide your miracle in a person that you may not even like. But you're going to have to love them or you're not going to get what God has for you. I'm wondering if I should say what I'm thinking to say. I don't know if I should say. Tell me to say it, Michael, and I'll say it. Am I live? Am I on Facebook or any of that stuff? Okay, I can do everything but cuss. The spirit going around right now is the spirit of homosexuality. There's a lot of problems with that. God throwed a city down for that. But here's, here's one problem. Uh, homosexuals, uh, who I love the homosexual, it's the spirit behind it you got to deal with. But the spirit of homosexuality, uh, it likes men liking men or women liking women. It cannot reproduce because it only likes what's similar to it. Do you got that? It does not, it does, it's not a man that is after a woman uh, as God created to be in the Garden of Eden. He created them male and female. It takes these opposites, male and female, to attract, to reproduce. And, and so what the homosexual spirit does is it preferences something that's just like itself. And so you got a homosexual that is unable to give birth. And what happens, oh God, I'm going to say this and get thrown out of here. But sometimes we don't necessarily just have homosexuals, but sometimes we have homospirituals, people that only like people that are just like us. But if you don't love to learn, love sinners that walk in the door who do not look like you, walk like you, or you can't give birth. We have homo-spiritual churches. They just want to take people from other churches. But this ain't no homo-spiritual church. You got to take people that you don't do drugs, but they do. You got to love them. Why? They're not like me. That's what a man does. You got to love something that doesn't look like you look. Walk like you walk. Talk like you talk. I'll get fired for that. That get on social media. I'll get fired for that. When I received the Holy Ghost, when I initially received the Holy Ghost, at least three things happened to me. I was 11 years old. My grandfather, and you knew my grandpa. My grandpa, I walked up to him in revival. I said, Papa, I want the Holy Ghost. He said, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. I said, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. He said, do you believe it? I said, yes. He said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. He laid his big old Choctaw Indian hand on my head, and when he did, I fell on the floor 
before, but I went completely blind and completely deaf. I could not see anything in that building. I could not hear anything in that building. And suddenly, not in my natural ear, but in my spiritual ear, I could hear voices. And I knew they were not people that I was familiar with, but I could hear voices. I could hear tongues and languages. And I began to hear things suddenly. And while I started hearing, I also noticed there was a light that was in that place. And 11 years old, I knew there was a light coming down the middle of our church where there should not be a light. That light come up to me, and when it did, I noticed that I started speaking in other tongues. I told my mother, I said, I don't know what in the world somebody done to me when I got the Holy Ghost. I said, but somebody took a big fluorescent light. I'm 11. And I said, they put it right up to my face when I was getting the whole. I said, who had a light or a flashlight? She said, baby, that was not a light like that. She said, God opened up your eyes when you got the Holy Ghost. You were seeing the light. Hank Williams wrote a song. He said, I saw the light. I saw the light. But they were singing that song in the, uh, in the car one night. He said, stop singing that song. They said, why? That's your song. Hank Williams said, he said, I wrote it. He said, but it was about the light, but I never saw the light. He was singing about a light that he never saw. What I'm telling you right now is is that on the day of Pentecost there was a lot more happened than people just getting the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot more about to hit this church than just people getting the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. There's a whole lot more to this than just speaking words that are mysteries. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And there came a sound. Everybody say a sound. Say it again. Say a sound. Everybody say ears. Sounds. The first thing that happened on the day of Pentecost was not somebody getting the Holy Ghost. The first thing that happened on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God opened up 120 people's ears and they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind flowing from heaven. Before he touched their tongue, he touched their ears. Can I tell you what they heard was not anything that you could hear down on the streets. The weatherman couldn't tell you about it. It come from another dimension. It come from another world. The first thing God done was open up the ear. That's the last miracle Jesus does before he goes to the cross. Why? Because God wants to open up your spiritual ear. I am not taking anything away from speaking in tongues. I'm not saying anything's wrong. I believe when you get the Holy Ghost, you really get it good, you're going to speak in tongues. You're going to do it. The wind's going to blow where it, but amazingly, that before anybody spoke in tongues, before he touched their mouth, he touched their ears. And then your Bible said there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. Everybody say there appeared. Say it three times. There appeared. There appeared. There appeared. Before they got their mouth activated, he activated their ear. Then he activated their eyes. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each and every one of them. In other words, somebody's over here that says, man, do you hear that sound? I hear it too. There's a wind blowing through here. I hear it too. Their ear 
ears start hearing on another level. And then they said, my God, how mercy, Bishop, you got a tongue of fire on your head. And Bishop looked down here and said, no, man, you got one on your head. Well, everybody's ears got open and then everybody's eyes got open. I don't know if you're ready for this. And this happened before they even got the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible said, then they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Listen to me. God is looking for people that he can speak in your ear and that he can speak in your dream and he can speak in your prayer. And the Lord told me today, he said, I want to activate some people. I want some people that can see and hear in the spirit that they don't just talk in the spirit. They can see what they're talking about. They can hear what they're talking about. The day of Pentecost was more than a tongue talking. It was an ear opening and an eye opening experience. Now, listen to me because, because, because what I think we're going to do tonight is, is there's going to be an unlocking. Tell you the person beside you said so there's going to be an unlocking. There's going to be an unlocking uh, because. Just like it was on the day of Pentecost. So the Lord showed me something the other day. That people received the Holy Ghost all through the book of Acts. But something happened. Something happened in Acts 19 when Paul met these disciples of John. Paul, who's an apostle. Everybody say an apostle. Uh, apostles are, uh, they're the thumb on the hand. These ones can touch every other member of the five-fold ministry. These men are the prophetic men. And whenever Paul speaks to these, these disciples of John uh, and asks them what they're baptized to, John's baptism, you know this, said, well, then he said, you should believe on him that come after him. And he said, that's the name of Jesus. They're baptized. Watch this. When Paul laid his hand on them, they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues and and comma prophesied there was an impartation of what Paul had that come along when he laid hands on them it boosted their gift up that they didn't wait six months or six years to start speaking in tongues and prophesying when they got the Holy Ghost they spoke in tongues and when they got finished speaking in tongues they went right into prophetic utterances you hear what I'm telling you now don't get mad at me just shout like this is good but some of us have been in church 30 years and never bore any fruit or never showed any semblance of a gift but God said tonight I'm going to unlock some eyes and some ears I told the Lord I said now I don't want to talk like that and act like I got something they don't have but I am going to tell you I do have something and what I have you can have what he's got you can have but you're going to have to say Lord I need a, I don't have enough This is, I, oh, I need to tell y'all this. I need to, I need to tell y'all this. Uh, when I was here in about last year, it's been a year, maybe June, and uh, uh, there was a little couple that come over here from Texas. And I'm probably going to mess their names up, but I think his name's Dennis, and I think her name's Jennifer. It may be Jessica, but at any rate, they come over here uh, because uh, uh, she had been uh, uh, was pregnant, but she got kicked in the stomach 
just about a week before they came here and she lost her baby. And that service, they were here on a Sunday morning and uh, they come down here. They come because they was needing something from God. They, they heard we was in revival over here. They drove all the way from Texas and, and your pastor put them up in a hotel room and uh, they went in over an eight. Sister Gowen's cooked and brought them in. And look, this is how the gifts work. It works through love, folks. It works through love. That's, the, that's just the fast, I'm fast track you right now. When you love people and you want to see them do good, God will give you a word to speak something in their life. It's not so you can look like you're amazing. It works through love. When you see a person that's hurting and sick and you want to encourage them so much, God will give you something to encourage them. That's how the gifts of the Spirit work. I mean, yeah, you got to fast, pray, walk the walk. But what I'm saying is, is love is the most excellent way. And these people come in and my heart broke for them and I knew what happened. If you was in that service, I gave them a word in front of this whole church. I said, by this time next year, you're going to be pregnant again with a bowl. Guess what? They was in service with me the other night. Come to another service. Her belly swelled out and she said, I got a sonogram. I'm having a boy. Now, how does those kind of things work? Uh, it ain't Robert Robin Johnson. What it is is they come in an environment here where there were ears and where there were eyes and there were mouths talk. When you get in the middle of an environment, certain environments are conducive for God to talk. He can't talk in some places because the ears on the ground. But on a Tuesday night, I've watched God too many times. I know a lot about how God does things, not everything, but a lot. And he's just like him on a Tuesday night when it's just us here for God to do something that's not for everybody it's for the hungry people it's for the people that say I gotta go I know I gotta work tomorrow but I gotta go tonight and God open up your eye and open up your ear now here's what I gotta say I'm going somewhere because, because when I got born again this may happen to you too if not I can pray for you tonight I'm not saying you're gonna jump up here and start prophesying everybody but I'm gonna tell you this that, that when I got the Holy Ghost I was born with my eyes and my ears and my mouth open you got three parts to that head got it I, even immediately after that I remember sitting on the front row in an old, old church building and I sat on the front row and I began to smell something. I knew in my spirit I was smelling something I never smelled before. It, it, the, I, I told my wife this not long ago I said it didn't smell like the cologne but in my mind I thought this is cool water this is fresh water like coming from heaven not the cool water cologne this predates all that it goes back even before to nail number five I mean this and I remember as a little boy sitting on the front row my senses were heightened and I began to smell something and from time to time I can smell that again what God wants to do with some of us right now is if the devil's trying to show you bad news because here's what happens whenever God gets ready to open up your eyes the enemy is privy to that and he will begin to try to torment you because he knows you can see and you can hear so he will begin to show you everything that's bad and wrong. This is where most people that operate in the spirit get real sidetracked because if they do not continue in love, they will begin to hammer on people and beat people up because they see flaws in everybody but themselves. But when you work in love, you preach to everybody like it's you sitting there. 
And that's what God's got to learn to trust you with. But for whatever reason, God opened up my ears and my eyes. Uh, immediately when I got the Holy Ghost, I was born with my eyes and my ears, my mouth that come open. But this is what the enemy done to me. He began to give me nightmares. Got the Holy Ghost, started having nightmares. Got the Holy Ghost, and people would come in. I'd be very scared of them. I, I didn't want to be around. My mom would say, boy, what's wrong? I don't want to be around that man. That lady scared me. People come in because I could recognize dark spiritual forces on people. And when your eyes come open, you might better be careful that you make sure you get what you want because you'll start seeing stuff. You don't just get to see and pick and choose what you get to see. When you see, you see it all. And I'd be very terrified of people. People would come in. I, I knew a man that was a preacher. And, and me and my grandma, you could fool everybody, but you wasn't going to fool us. And they'd come around and be, oh, something wrong with him. It's like a dog. You ever had somebody come in your yard? Your dog be like, roof. That dog don't ever bark. Roof, roof. That dog's trying to tell you, there's something on this person you better beware of. And they'll be coming back in your house to rob you blind. You ever watch the cat? Sometimes cats and dogs, they're more spiritual than some Pentecostal. Somebody come in, that dog be looking around. That dog be looking all over. What's he seeing? He's seeing something. He's seeing something. Because that dog come up and smell you a couple of times, and then he'll make that nose at you. They can sense. And this is what the enemy started doing. I started having horrible nightmares. But when I would have nightmares, I would have dreams at the same time I'd have prophetic dreams I dreamed for 30 years I had open visions of my daddy in an ambulance going to the hospital guess what 30 years I'd see the ambulance and it had my daddy's name on that ambulance about 3 weeks ago it happened 30 years and when it happened I knew it because he got rushed to the hospital and he died and when they got him to the hospital, he died in an accident down around Hammond. What I'm telling you right now is this, is the Holy Ghost knows how to open your eyes, open your ears, open up your heart, open up everything. And there's some of you here tonight that God would really love to bring an awakening in you, but you got to get your ear out of the dirt. Now I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you right here. Because, because what happens to us is we disqualify ourselves, but when we try to qualify ourselves, if you try to say you, you don't qualify for this, and what the enemy done to me, 11 years old, I evidently I've had the Holy Ghost 35 years. When, whenever, whenever this happened to me, the enemy began giving me nightmare, and he would tell me, you're, you're, you're not forgiven. You, you're not forgiven. He would tell me that because when I got the Holy Ghost, I, I recognized my call to preach and everything at the same time. And the enemy started fighting me. I would, I would get up in the middle of the night. I had to go to my mom and daddy's bedroom, man. Something in there. I would just get scared in places. And, and, and what it was, I was seeing things. I was hearing things. And, and the enemy said, you're not forgiven. You're, you're not. There's things in your life. Now I'm 11 years old. What could I have done? I mean, I, I was bad. I was a bad 11-year-old, but I'm just saying, the enemy, and here's what I, I want you to know, that my grandparents had a little room in their house that they put preachers in. It was like the preacher's room. That's what it was. And, and I was in that room, and I would never forget, I would go through the day, and suddenly this thing would come up on me, and it'd just tell me, you're going to hell. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't be forgiven. You know, there's things you've done that God would never forgive. And this is just eating them. You, you listen to me. You don't know what some of these kids, Kids can go through. 
You don't know what the person sitting beside you right now goes. Because I never told my mother. I never told my grandmother. I told my mama on everything. I didn't tell her this. It was just eating me up. I, had, I lived on pins and needles just waiting to go to hell. And that's what some of you have done. But God's going to break that loose out of you tonight. You're going to have a hard time living and loving God if you worried every day about going to hell. Now you hear me. Hell is prepared for the devil and people that run away from God. You ain't going to go to hell in here doing your best to live for God. God ain't going to say, well, look, you tried, but my blood. No. If you're here tonight loving God, doing your best, fall down, get up, admit it, repent. Come on. That's what I love about Glenn Moore. That's what I love about this church. Love this path. You got to love people the way Jesus loved people. And you're going to find out something in the end time. It's easier to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is to some Pentecostal churches. But I'm glad there's one here that says, hey, come on. All your problems, all your failures, all your anxieties, all your mess. Come on. We're going to keep loving you. We're going to keep praying for you. So I got in that room. I didn't want to talk about this. I'm just obeying God tonight. And so I got, in, I got in this little room, the preacher room. No telling how many preachers preached and prayed in that room. I got in that room and I fell into a trance. I'm not saying you got to get into trances. And I didn't want to talk about them. But I'm going to talk about trances a little bit. I got in a trance. A lot of times this will happen to me. You sure I'm not on Facebook? A lot of times I'll get in a trance. There's a lady I prayed for. Uh, is this her back here, the light? Prayed for her last night. Before I got here, God talked to me about that lady and I never met her. I fell in a trance at my house and I had the conversation with that lady before I ever got here. Now that's weird. That's crazy. Don't, you don't look for that. I'm just you praying tending to my business and God and there's many times that I'll be praying and I'll see a person and I get to church and I'll do this if you see me I look and I'm like there they are and I'll know things and I don't know how I know it I know how God knows it I don't know how God can help my silly mind and I asked the Lord one time I said God how you going to use me like this why me he said because you're dumb enough to do what I tell you to do it's not because you're smart, son. It's because you are dumb enough to realize that you don't try to figure it out. He said some people are too smart, so I'm not using you because how good you are. I'm using you because you're dumb enough to let. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's why. Tell your neighbor, say you can't try to outsmart God. And so I get in a trance. I get in this place where I used to do this in school. This can, this can become a bad thing. I'd be in school, and that teacher would be saying my name, Robin. Robin, she didn't know I was in there, but I wasn't in there. I was on my four-wheeler somewhere. I was what they call daydreaming. I'm in two places at one time. That's a spiritual gift, but you can use it in a bad way. It's not good to do that at school. But, but I got in this trance in that little room at my grandparents' house. And in that trance, I saw a sheet fall down, a big white sheet. And I'm looking at this thing. I'm just, I'm just there. I'm daydreaming. I'm, I'm looking at it. And it falls down. And at the very bottom, there's a black dot at the bottom. Stuck right on the bottom, there's a black dot. And in this trance, I thought to myself, my God, that is my life. And that is that one thing right there that God has not forgiven me of. 
That's that one thing right there that I, I knew what it was. This is that thing that's been worrying me. It's what's going to send me to hell right here, this. And while I was watching this in this trance, I watched a hand come up. The most beautiful hand, it come up and it grabbed that sheet and held it in its hand and it squeezed that black spot. And whenever he let go of it, it left a big old red blood stain. Now, God's going to talk to you in the way that he knows you can understand. you got to create a language with God that God, if God knows that you talk redneck and country, he's going to talk redneck country. If you talk German, he's going to talk German. He's not going to come to you, talk to you in languages and things you don't understand. I knew what that blood was when I saw it. I'd heard about the blood of Jesus, and I watched that thing begin to whip in the wind. That sheet was moving, and as the wind began to dry that, I knew something's happening with that thing and that blood stain dried and when it dried it was pure white that black thing was gone it, and something nobody had to come tell me I knew in my spirit right then it didn't matter what I had done it didn't matter what you done if the blood of Jesus if you'll expose it to the blood if you'll let him grab it He'll wipe that thing away. And the Lord told me to tell this for somebody tonight. You feel like God's holding something against you. But he said, my grace is sufficient. My blood is good enough. If it's good enough for Johnson, it's good enough for you too. Well, listen. Tell your neighbor, say, you're going to make it like it never happened. I'll never get to this message, but listen. So, so when I decided then... This is 11. I'm going to start preaching. Because I've run from that for a long time. And so when I started preaching, here come the devil back with the same old game. He said, well, you know, it's, it's really a shame you're going to dedicate your life. And, and, I, and I said, devil, you come too late to tell me I don't have the Holy Ghost. I heard myself speaking to him. I saw the light. I heard the voices of whatever angels or whatever I heard. I, I've seen too much. But the devil said, yeah, but here's the thing. The devil can talk to you. He said, but here's the problem. Here's the thing. Uh, you're going you're gonna to die having wasted all this life and all this time having all this fun you could have had. You're going to die. And when you die, uh, you're going to go to hell. So you might as well just go live it up anyway. And so I was tormented by this. He said, my God, am I preaching and going to hell? And so my grandfather had given me this big recliner. In every house I've ever lived in to this day, I always built a prayer room. And so I put a prayer room in there, and I put that big recliner. My grand, That was my prayer place. And I got in that, in that prayer recliner, and I was kneeling down praying, and I'm repenting of these same old things over and over. I'm saying the same thing that I'd said 10 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting for the same thing. Oh, God. I feel, and it's good to be convicted, but conviction and condemnation are not the same thing. Conviction says you're wrong But you need to make it right Condemnation says you're wrong And you can never make it right And that's what I was feeling I was condemned I was like, like man And so I'm asking God Please Lord forgive me And the Holy Ghost spoke to me And, and I'm going to say something right here That will probably jar you a little bit But uh, I, said, I said Lord the Holy Ghost stopped me He said stop praying and literally, I was on my, hand, my knees and had my hands on that recliner. And I remember backing up and saying, devil, I rebuke you. You know, something was trying to stop me from praying. I said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to repent. And something said, stop. And I said, and, and something really crunched my spirit and said, stop praying. And I said, and the Lord said, I want to talk to you. He said, stop saying what you're saying. 
And I, boy, I'm thinking, man, this is the devil trying to stop me from repenting. And the Lord spoke up even more in my spirit. He said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He said, you're talking about stuff that I have evidently forgiven and I've moved it out of my memory and you're wearying me with these things. I wrote it right there. He told me. He said, you're wearying me with these things. He said, because you're talking about things that I don't even have recollection about. God is my witness. I said, oh, Lord. And I felt bad. It was like I was saying, Lord, your grace is not good enough. You know, listen to me, folks. When the Lord forgives you, he don't bring it up. Even if you commit another sin, that sin he forgives is forgiven. Now, do you need to repent? Absolutely. I'm not talking about not letting God deal with you, but some of you got the devil beating you over the head, trying, and that's what you got to learn to do. You got to learn by faith to say, I'm hearing on another level. I'm going to start seeing on another level, and that's what God's going to do for some of you tonight. Some of you having dreams, you don't even know what's happening, but the Holy Ghost told me to tell you, they're going to get interpretations to their dreams. They're about to know what some of this stuff is that they're thinking, and praying it's God talking to you trying to tell you forget that stuff there's a world to save there's people to, to reach there's people to win there's people to pray for and you stuck on yourself I fell out whenever whenever, whenever that happened I fell out I fell out I, I, I fell out a little boy asked me the other night a little boy like this when he come up to me People just laid out everywhere, and he come up to. I didn't really. I, I felt bad because I didn't really know what he meant till later. I didn't know why he said it till I walked off. But he said, he said, Brother Johnson, can I ask you something? I said, Yeah, buddy. And there's people who looked like somebody come in and shot us with a machine gun. There's you know 50 people laid out in the floor of that church. And he said, he said, Do you ever do that? Do you ever fall out like that and just? I said, Yeah, yes, I do. I do. I said, usually at my house, but yeah, I do. I mean, it's not good for me to do it while I'm preaching. That's not beneficial. So I'm trying to stand up. But I knew what he was thinking. He was thinking, why am Brother Johnson not falling out like that? You should have seen me today. You should have seen me last night. It's just I got the microphone right now. I need It's beneficial for me to keep going right now. But there's, you know what would be good for some of y'all? You ought to fall out like John did sometime at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes it's good for you to fall in that altar on your face. I love to shout. Man, I love to jump. I love to run. But let me tell you, when you can get a washing, sometimes you fall out like a dead man, like a dead woman. I'm not saying you got to fall back do the nesty splash. I prayed for a man the other night and I laid, I was laying my hands on people and people was falling out and I couldn't help it. They fall. I got to him, I laid my hands on him, he went, whoop, somebody gonna catch him and then he fell on out. And whether it was real or not, I don't know, but he made sure somebody was gonna get him. That's probably what I would do too. But I don't tend to see fall out that way. Let me tell you how I fall, brother, going. I fall frontwards like John did. I fall on my knees. I fall on my face. I fall on the ground. I lay on my face. And I let God take me as a dead man. And when the Lord told me that that day in that chair, I was sitting up in that, on that chair kneeling down. The Lord said, you're wearying with me with this. He said, quit talking about it. You're talking about stuff that I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I fell back in that floor like that, went out in a place, and I 
heard the Lord call my name two times, an audible voice. I went into a cold sleep, and the Lord said, Robin, Robin. I woke up, and I knew it was the Lord saying, get busy preaching. Get busy doing what I call. I come to tell somebody, you may not be a preacher, but you need to get busy doing what God called you to do. And you need to quit worrying about something that happened 15 years or 15 minutes ago. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. When you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You got to get on with it, man. This is, a, this is a bad spirit that gets a hold to God's people and new convert. It'll get on you and it'll condemn you and it'll remind you and it'll bring stuff up. But you know what I did to the devil not long ago? It's been a little while back. I was preaching up somewhere around Jonesville and I come through and, and, and I felt this other night when we was praying for some people. I can tell when there comes a binding in that service for a moment and that devil's trying to let somebody uh, hold somebody, not let them go. I felt that come for just a second before it broke. And, and when that started in that service, I started praying and I was like yo the devil gonna show up don't tell me he'll show up sometime to try to pull somebody out and see if you're gonna confront it somebody said why don't we cast out devils no more I said come with me come with me reason you ain't seen it cause you ain't got enough anointing in y'all services to stir one up but you bring that thing in Glenmore it's gonna go right if you don't have the anointing, that thing can sit and blend in with some of these churches that's so dead and quiet, non-praying, no anointing. no. But when the glory of God comes in, that devil's going to show out. It's going to show out or run out. It's going to do something. That devil was in that synagogue for decades, but when Jesus showed up, it started crying out. The anointing, the anointing will intensify everything that's in you. This is why people sometimes can be mildly used by God and have major character flaws at the same time. Because when the anointing comes, it heightens everything in you. And if you're full of lust, the anointing will stir that up and expose it. It will. Whatever is in you is going to begin to be magnified. That's why you've got to be pured, purified, and cleaned out. Let's slip our hands to the Lord for just a moment. Let's slip our hands to the Lord. God, you're going to do it tonight. You're going to open our eyes and our ears. Jesus. Call out on him for just a moment, church. I'm, I'm at least over halfway. Let's just call out right here. Something's entering in here with us. We're just getting a little direction here. you have a propensity to see or to hear the enemy will recognize that and he will try to magnify himself so that you don't see or hear what God is telling you 
This is why sometimes people that can be really anointed and used by God, they will be the most depressed people you've ever seen. They're not careful. They'll battle depression because they're, they're sensitive to stuff. And if you're not careful, if you don't know how to, it, this is what happened. And my wife has helped me. People have helped me. Said, hey, man, you need to just shut up and have a good time sometime. You can just walk around all the time like a monk. Sometime you need to go to Disney World or something. Sometimes you need to go have a good time with your kids. I'm telling you the truth. See, that's too spiritual for some of y'all. I mean, it's the really the cold hard truth. Some people get their heads up in the cloud, and the devil will keep you so tight, and you're afraid you're going to make a mistake, and you got to be spirit. And this would happen to me. Some I felt like, man, I don't want to get out of the anointing. I don't want God to quit using me. And the Lord showed me something. He said, you just spend time with your kids, and you just have a good time and take care of your family, and I'll take care of mine. Now, here's, here's the message. Unless you say I didn't preach here. Listen to me. Listen, I don't know what all them numbers mean. If I'm on a timer, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Or else I've been preaching an hour and six minutes. We have been in the spirit if that's happened. Listen to this. Listen to this. When I get ready to call you, I want you to come. But this is the last miracle Jesus does before Calvary. Watch what happens. There's two questions I want to answer for you right now. The, the first question is this. Is, Lord, this is not really a good time to do miracles, is it? After all, you do realize you're surrounded and the Jerusalem Police Department is down here. And they're about to cuff you and stuff you and put you in the back of the squad car and haul you off. And you're about to be crucified. This, this was at the time where they were coming to arrest Christ. G Judas uh, says, I'm going to be the one I kiss on the cheek. And so he kisses him on the cheek. Somebody said he kissed the uh, gates to heaven and then walked through the gates of hell. But what he does is he identifies Jesus so they can arrest him. And when they're in the moment of arresting him, Peter pulls out a sore hothead. Peter walked away from his fishing boat, walked away from his living. He left everything, but he kept that knife. See, you can keep one thing. He should have left that knife he was skinning fish with on the boat but he happened to have that in his back pocket just in case times went bad. Pulls out his knife goes for the juggler vein. He missed. Tell your neighbor he missed. He wasn't going for the ear. He's going for the juggler. He went for the juggler vein, missed, and cut this servant's right ear off. Falls into the ground. Jesus is going to pick the man's ear up and do one last miracle. And I can imagine the look on everybody's faces as if to say, Lord, uh, this ain't a good time to start a prayer line. You're surrounded. You're, you're about to be going to jail. This isn't a good time. But this is what the Lord showed me about that, is that it may not look like a good time for you. It may not look like a good time in this world. It may look like everything that can be shaken is being shaken. But the Lord sent me to tell you something tonight. The world may be in trouble, but God's not in trouble. You might be surrounded. It may look like the church is in trouble. But Jesus said, I'll do a miracle even in the middle of a mess. I'll start doing miracles because it's no such thing as a good time or a bad time for God to do anything. It's always your time. Tell your neighbor, it's always your time. I mean, I would have thought maybe we shouldn't be doing miracles now. But, but then the, here's the real question. And then the person that you picked to heal, Jesus, you're going to heal this man. You realize this man's trying to shut the church down, right? This man is, is here trying to arrest you and stop the revival. If you're going to heal somebody, I got a list of candidates, but this guy's name is not on it. He's an enemy. 
you, this guy is a guy that's trying to put handcuffs on you. That we're trying to protect you from him. If you're going to heal people, I got a lot of sweet people for you to heal. Don't heal this guy. This guy is not like us. He don't go to our church. He don't believe our doctrine. He is against us. He's anti-Christ. Listen to me. Why would you heal this man? You got the wrong time and you got the wrong person. And let me tell you why Jesus healed that man. He did not heal that man because of that man. He healed that man because of Peter. Because he knew they're about to carry me off and they're going to crucify me. He said, but Peter, what you just done, you let your anger and your temper slip you up. And I know this guy was wrong, but what you've done in a reaction is just as wrong. You got to hear me, folks. The devil will do a wrong thing through a person just to get you to react the wrong way. And then you become just as wrong as they are. It don't matter. If you watch football, you'll know something. Whoever throws the first punch, they don't ever see it. But if you push them back, they're going to throw a flat. They don't ever see the first thing. They're going to get you when you retaliate. And Peter retaliated, and the flag goes up. But Jesus says, I got to heal this man. Peter don't want him to heal him. He's like, man, don't heal that guy. Cut the other ear off. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to put his ear back on for an example and to show you something because they're going to carry me down here. He said, but when they get me down here, they're going to see this boy's ear cut off and they're going to tell the high priest, get an APB put out on Peter because he has cut my ear off. And Jesus said, I'm about to heal your enemy so I can get him off of your back. Listen to what I'm telling you. Sometimes God will start healing people that you hurt and you'll have a, a tendency to think, well, God, you must be taking their side. Newsflash, God ain't on nobody's side. He's on his own side. God ain't picking you over me and me over you. God is just on his side. You got to get on God's side. God don't say, well, I picked the blue team. No. God says, I'm on a side. Who wants to be on my side? But he said, Peter, what I'm going to do, I'm going to heal your enemy so I can get the charges dropped from you, and I'm going to make it like it never happened. And sometime God will start healing the person that you hurt just so you don't have any charges on you. Hey, when you see your enemy saying, well, we got a new job and a new house and we're millionaires and we're moving to Tennessee. Don't, my God, say, well, praise the Lord. I won't have to be looking at you no more. Don't get jealous when God blesses your adversary. Sometimes God will give them their own ministry just to get them out of your business and let them go. One old guy said, thank God and Greyhound, they're gone. Let, let it be as it is. Don't be jealous and upset because God blesses your enemy. Here it is. God is making some things right now in this church like it never happened. You got to quit picking at scabs. You got to quit making a little bitty wound get infected by every time you want to pull the band-aid out and say, look what happened to me. Look what they done to me. Quit scratching it. Quit itching it. Quit showing it off. Quit making stuff bleed that should have been healed a long time ago. God is saying, I'm trying to make that like it never happened. I'm trying to put the ear back on. I'm trying to move you and advance you. And Peter, when I get finished forgiving you, you're going to get up on the day of Pentecost and you're going to preach like it never happened. Oh, I'm done by telling somebody, you need to get up and praise God like you never drew your sword. 
You need to get up and do what God told you to do just like you never got in a fight. Like you just never had that altercation. It's over with. Let it be gone. Let it be done. Stand up with me. I hope it's all right. Listen to me. I don't know if somebody can put this up there or not, but I want this scripture. It's in Genesis 5. I've skipped all the good ones. I've skipped all this. It's Genesis 5 and verse number 1. This is what it said. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask the smart people over here. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had two boys, and their names were what? Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. Right? I know that story. That's the first dysfunctional family, which happened to be the first family. Yours ain't the first messed up one. They were the first brothers at each other's throat, first husband, wife. Listen to this. Watch what it says in Genesis 5 and 1. It said, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Tell your neighbor, say, this is the family tree. In the day that God created man, the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his own image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years. And he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Anybody notice what's missing there? Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel and the Bible jumped it. It didn't even put them in the lineage or in the generation. It never brought Cain and Abel's name up. It went to the third son who was Seth. You know why? Because that was such a hurtful thing to that mama and to that daddy. That Cain killed Abel. And then Cain goes out of the presence of God. Until God said, let me tell you what. I'm going to make it like it never happened. And when you write your book, you can do what you want. But God said, this is my book. And the things, listen to me, folks. Some of the things some of you are worried about, God sent me to tell you. Tell them when you get to heaven, it ain't even going to be in the book. Some of the stuff that worried you and has plagued you and you think is so bad, God said, when you get to where you're going and you see what I write, it ain't even going to be in there. He said, I'm going to make it like it never happened. You won't even see that. Somebody raise your hand and say, God, like it never happened. Say it again, God, like it never happened. Would you slip your hands up to the Lord? I'm closing my Bible, my notes. I know this is different tonight. We're going to get back in all that tomorrow night. Right now, I just want you to know that God sent me to tell somebody, you got to let go of the person that you hurt and the person that hurts you. And I can open up your eyes and I can open up your ears. And that just the same way I opened up your mouth. Forgive, forget, move on. My, my boy, Moses to go and know my boy. I was preaching here, me and Pastor Brandon Goins and Bishop were in 
Alexandra Eaton, last night of revival here last year. My boy Seth called me and said, Dad, I just got baptized. I've seen hundreds, thousands baptized, get the Holy Ghost. But I've been worried about my boy. In that revival, I don't know, something 37, 40 people, whatever it was, we'd baptize up to that point. Every night I'd go home thinking, God, what about my boy? He called me when we were sitting in that restaurant. I said, Dad, I want you to forgive me of anything I've said, everything I've done. I said, Son, I already forgive you. He said, Well, I got baptized tonight. And he said, I, I'm, I'm turning my life around. Short while later, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. You know the story, and I know you know it. But the day after Christmas, which is coming up, the day after Christmas, December the 26th, we got the news. That Seth was sitting in a car in Tioga with some of his friends playing around with a gun and accidentally shot and killed himself. Broke me and my wife into a million pieces. Now you hear me? Because I went and preached, I buried him on a Monday, New Year's Eve, and drove to Houston, Texas and preached that night. When I got up to preach, and that pastor said, Oh my God, what a man of God this is. Buried his son, he's here preaching. He must be a mighty, he's such a strong, mighty man of God. When I got up, I corrected him. I said, no, sir, I'm not here because I'm mighty. And I'm not here because I'm strong. I'm here because I'm weak. I'm here because I need to be in church tonight. If I was strong, I'd stayed at the house. I'm here. I'm here because I feel like if I could come preach, maybe I can get it off my mind for a minute. I'm not here because I'm mighty, but I'm here because my grandpa taught me when you got problems, you don't run from church, you run to church. I want you, if it's appropriate, I, if only if it's appropriate, I want you to lay your hand on that person next to you and I want you to tell them, say, don't you forget what you're hearing right now. Tell them, say, when you mess up, that's when you run to church. Tell them, say, when you got problems, you run to God, not from God. Tell them, say, when you mess up, you run to the altar, not from the altar. If you messed up today, you come to church tonight. That's how I was raised. And I said, I'm here because I'm hurting. I brought my family home. We broke out in revival, and the detective called me from uh, the Department of Transportation Sheriff's Office in Alexandria. He said, I got Seth's car here. I'm ready to release it to you. I drove home. That's the car that he accidentally shot and killed himself in. I drove home, left my car, got out, signed for it, and walked to that impound yard to get his car. And that man stopped me right before we got to it. He said, Mr. Johnson, let me tell you, are you by yourself? I said, yes, sir. He said, you better go get somebody. He said, we have not cleaned that car up. He said, you're going to see your son's blood all over that car. I said, I got it. I got in his car. I sit down in my son's blood. It was dried, but his blood. I put my hands on the steering wheel and saw his palm prints. I could see his hand prints. Pools of blood in the floorboard. All over the dash. One window to the other. I took off driving home. And got to the south circle and decided I, I don't want Lisa and Carly to see this blood. And I pulled into the little car wash. And I got out and got a bottle of water and an old t-shirt. And I started wiping Seth's blood down out of that car. 
And let me tell you something. I, to, to say I was numb, it was like I was, I don't know how to explain it. It's like I was in a nightmare. And standing there by that car with holding a bloody t-shirt, I called out to the Lord. I never accused God. I never blamed God. I never said one time, why did you let this happen to me? The one moment I got weak, I said, God, you're going to have to help me. I need help. I said, because I never thought I'd be here wiping my boy's blood up out of this car. And here I am wiping up my boy's blood. And the Lord spoke to me. You hear with your hearing ear. He said, yes, you are. He said, but my son's blood can never be wiped up. He said, you can wipe your son's blood away, but you can't wipe my son's blood away. And he said, my son's blood covers your son's blood. Oh, my God. I got in that car, cleaned that car up, and I had a peace of mind. I knew that was the voice of God telling me that. I drove home, pulled in. My wife run out to the car. My baby girl run out to the car. And I hid that T-shirt in my pocket. My wife come out squalling and crying. And I went in the house, and I'm looking for some, a bag to put it in. I was going to throw that T-shirt away. I didn't want Lisa to see it. And, and I run in my office and run out, and I was afraid she was going to see me. And I got to the trash can, and I was thinking, man, I, I don't know about this. And the Lord spoke to me again. He said, what are you doing? I said, Lord, I'm thinking of what I'm going to do with this shirt. And the Lord said, you can't throw that shirt away, can you? I said, no, Lord, I can't. You hear me right now. I'm done right here. I said, I can't. It's got my boy's blood on it. I can't throw that. I can't just throw that in the trash. And the Lord said, I want you to tell people everywhere you preach that neither do I throw away anything or anybody who has my son's blood on it. If you can't throw away a t-shirt, I'm not throwing away a boy. I'm not throwing away a girl. I'm not throwing away a husband. I'm not throwing away a wife. I'm not throwing away a son or a daughter. I don't just throw people away if they got the blood on them. I wonder if there's anybody here that's got the blood on your life. That's all I come by to tell you. The devil said, God's done with you. God's finished with you. That's about all for you. But I want to tell you, if you got the blood on your life, you don't get discarded. You don't get thrown away. I'm talking to people here that the enemy's tormenting you while your hands are lifted right now as if there's nobody else but you. I wish you'd raise your hands and walk as close as you could right now and say, Lord, you'll never throw me away. Lord, you'll never discard me because I got the blood of Jesus on my life. The blood of the Lamb covers my life. That's how God will open your eyes. And that's how God will open your ears. And that's how God will open your mouth. And that's how you got the Holy Ghost. It's by believing that the Lord Jesus was the sacrifice. I just come to tell somebody, he's not looking at you. He's looking at the sacrifice. I come to tell somebody, he's not looking at your life. He's looking at the life of Messiah. He's not looking at your wrongs and your problems. He's looking at the spotless, sinless one. I wish there'd be a cry that would go out all over this place right now. Oh, that there'd be a cry go out in this building right now. That there'd be a cry go out in this building right now. 
over you wherever you're standing wherever you're at right now if you would while your hands are up just begin to call on the blood the blood cover your ears the blood cover your eyes the blood cover your mouth the blood cover your hands the blood cover your feet do that for the next three to five minutes in here without me cheerleading you but you just doing it you just doing it you just doing it Lord I need the blood Let your voices go, young people. Let it go. Come on, young people. Let your voice go. Come on, elders. Don't hold anything back right now. The next five minutes is your time. Come on, husband, reach over, lay your hand on your wife. Mama, your kids, get a hold of somebody. Let's plead the blood around here. I believe that some torment's going to leave some minds right now. I believe there's some torment that'll come out of you right now. I believe some old condemnation will break out of your life right now. The Lord sent me to tell somebody, if you hide it, I'm going to reveal it. But if you'll reveal it to me, I'll hide it from everybody else. God said, if you hide it from me, I'm going to shout it to the mountaintop. But if you'll reveal it to me, I'll hide it. It's that simple. You hide it from God, he'll tell it to the world. You give it to God, he'll hide it from the world. Come on, husband, lay your hand on your wife. Come on, mama, lay your hands on your kids right now. I feel like praying over families and homes right now. Homes and families and children and wives and husbands. That's it, minister to each other right now. Come on, there's something moving on us. There's something erasing things out of our lives. There's something erasing things out of your past. Ah, that's what God told me. He said, you're wearing me. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. It's cast in the depths of the sea of forgetfulness. I don't know it. I don't know it. I don't know it. What's holding you back? God said, I don't know it. Come on, somebody. Lay hands on somebody. Brother Jeremy's going to sing, and I'm going to lay hands on as many of you as get as close as you can. Some of you that need deliverance tonight. Some of you that are being tormented. Shekatila la basata. Take it while you can get it. Take it while you can get it. I'm praying for every one of you right now that are here. If you're under torment, if you're in here, you're under condemnation. If you're in here tonight and the enemy's holding things over your head, walk down here right here For I set this microphone down. I'm just going to pray for you. Walk down, get about right here behind this sweet lady. You're in here, you're underneath the attack of the enemy in your mind. He won't let you go. You feel like that, it, it, that you're not forgiven. You feel like you're under the radar. 
I want to tell you, God's going to make it like it never happened. The spirit of deliverance is going to come over you. The spirit of deliverance is in this house. Come on now, I'm going to pray for them. Now you start praying for who's around you right now. Get your hand on the person that's around you. While Brother Jeremy begins to sing, we're going to pray the prayer of faith. Eyes are going to be open. Ears are going to be unstopped. If you can hear from the devil, you can hear from God. Word of God speak. Would you pour down like a rain? Water.